1: wherever you get your podcast. introducing under Armour's infinity high sports bra its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body with cord out padding the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support and quick dry padding is under Armour's fastest drying padding yet when you're lifting heavy running fast and pushing yourself further than ever before You need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at
0: ua.com.
2: Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. All right, hello and welcome on into the Matt Lombardo show. I'm Matt Lombardo, and of course, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at MattLombardoNFL. Here, as the calendar changes to July, we have now entered the final month without live football until March of 2022. That's a great feeling, and of course, in this month, in the next few weeks, beginning on July 27th, training camps. We'll open up around the NFL. So a lot to get into with that. A lot to talk about on today's show. It should be a fun show. And before we get into all of it, just a little bit of housekeeping. As always, if you like what you hear, I would love it if you would go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, on Spotify, SoundCloud, all of your favorite podcast platforms. Just search for Stacking the Box, and NFL podcast. to get fan-sided Stacking the Box podcast with Mark Carmen and Matt Verderam on Tuesdays and the Matt Lombardo Show on Fridays. Not a dealing podcasts out there two podcasts for the price of none with one subscription you get stacking the box and the matt lombardo show and of course we love those five-star reviews they really help grow the show let me know what you like what you don't like and some guests that you might want to hear from i'll go out and try to get them and of course february 2022 is super bowl 56 Taking place in Los Angeles and you know, the teams that are the favorites to go there, you know them all by now. I don't know that there's a more complete team in the league than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There might not be a more dominant and explosive team than the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think there's a real chance we get a Super Bowl repeat matchup in February, but I think it'd be a lot of fun today as I approach my summer vacation recharging the batteries before the football season really kicks into gear with training camps before the season gets here you know it's coming at us like a jail on rails it's going to be here before you know it I thought it would be a lot of fun to look around at the teams that have never won a Super Bowl and look at the four that have the best chance to hoist the Lombardi Trophy for the first time next February. And at the top of that list, at number four, we're going to go reverse order, worst to first, if you will, I put the Minnesota Vikings. And there aren't that many teams on the NFC side of the docket that – have never won a Super Bowl and there are even fewer in my opinion that have a chance to break that drought and I think the Vikings are right there at the top of that list I mean you look at the candidates you can throw them in the hat and pick one the Vikings are much better positioned than the Carolina Panthers the Detroit Lions the Atlanta Falcons and the Arizona Cardinals just because of their quarterback situation I look at Dalvin Cook he might be the most dominant running back in the entire league Justin Jefferson came in and was a rock star as a rookie last season. And watching what he did in year one, Justin Jefferson, in my opinion, has perennial all-pro potential at the wide receiver position. And if Kirk Cousins winds up being the guy long-term, Justin Jefferson is going to develop into his favorite weapon. And I really don't think that anyone in the NFC, especially in the NFC North, touches the Packers, or touches the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in terms of talent, in terms of depth, and when it comes to the Packers, especially if Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback and he's behind center in September, who knows if that's going to happen. But if Rodgers isn't, if he decides that he's just had enough, that he's going to retire, that he's going to take a year off, fines be damned, giving back, signing bonus, prorated salary be damned, forfeiting his 2021 salary be damned, if Aaron Rodgers steps away... Somebody has to win the NFC North. And Jordan Love, he's not winning more than seven or eight games. I'm sorry. It's just not happening. The Packers can be as optimistic as they want. Brian Goodikens can be as dug in as he feels he needs to be that he was right about Jordan Love. If Love is the quarterback week one, if he's the quarterback by week 17, the Packers aren't a playoff team. But I'm very bullish on Jared Goff finding that next gear in Detroit. And, And that's one thing. But the roster around Jared Goff, to me, isn't as talented. It isn't as close to being a playoff caliber team as the Minnesota Vikings are. And I think that they have the best chance of any of the NFC teams that have never won a Super Bowl of going and making that list or at least making a run at getting the Super Bowl for the first time this year. Then you flip the page over to the AFC, and it's a much tougher gauntlet because I really believe, and I've said this many times, that as long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are together, the Kansas City Chiefs are the prohibitive favorites to go to and win the Super Bowl. So if you're in the AFC, there's a chance, but you got to have your A game in the AFC title game, likely in Arrowhead against the Kansas City Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl, let alone win it once you get there but the the team to me number three overall on this list and number three among afc contenders is the tennessee titans because how can you not love what the titans have done this offseason they go out they had one of the premier wide receivers in the nfl in julio jones who some scouts believe is still the best wide receiver and you drop him in an offense with aj brown derrick henry and an ascending quarterback in ryan Tannehill coming off of the best two-year stretch of his career Tannehill is going to be better. Tannehill is going to take another step forward this season, having Julio Jones on one side, having A.J. Brown on the other, having Derrick Henry in the backfield. The Titans are a team that I think can make a real run, especially because of their offense. But if you look at the defense, if you look at Tennessee's defense, which was admittedly their Achilles heel last season, they went out and they desperately needed pass rush help. And they went and got Bud Dupree. That was a significant addition who's going to make a legitimate impact along their front seven. And I do think what gives the Titans a real chance here is kind of twofold. Number one, they're already battle-tested. They've gone to the playoffs the past two seasons. They won a playoff game following the 2019 season. And they play in a division in the AFC South where you basically pencil in four wins per season against the Jaguars and the Houston Texans. Because especially without Deshaun Watson, that Texans team might be the worst roster in terms of talent in the entire NFL. I like Trevor Lawrence. I think the Jaguars have some young talent to build around and be hopeful for. I think there is some explosiveness, especially wide receiver in Jacksonville. But they're still three or four years away at least. And I don't even know that Urban Meyer is going to make it that long. So to bring it back to the Titans, they're probably deeper than the Indianapolis Colts are from top to bottom. And a lot of the Colts' success hinges on just how well Carson Wentz assimilates himself into a stacked Indianapolis offense and whether or not he's going to be less reluctant and more accepting of the hard coaching that I know is coming from Frank Reich. The reunion is going to help Wentz for sure. He played his best football in Philadelphia when Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator. But I've said it many times, I've reported it a few different times in a few different places, that Carson Wentz's reluctance to accept hard coaching was a big part of his downfall in Philadelphia. And it was part of what alienated him from that locker room. So I think the Titans have a leg up in the AFC South. I'd probably say they're the favorites to win that division. And if they get in, if they get a home game, Look out. Next up, number two on our list, the Buffalo Bills. You can make a strong case that the Bills are the second best team in the AFC, that they can knock off the Chiefs if Kansas City has an off day, and they might even have the second best overall quarterback in the entire league in the NFL today in Josh Allen. There I said it. You heard the show last week. That you talk to head coaches, you talk to executives, that if you were looking at the quarterbacks chosen in 2018, talking about Josh Allen, talking about Baker Mayfield, talking about Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson's in that mix as well. Don't forget that, that there are executives and head coaches in the league that would, quote, take Josh Allen to start their team, and there isn't a second option that's even close. That's how the league feels about Josh Allen. Then you look at the fact that they have one of the premier head coaches in the league in Sean McDermott. They have all kinds of weapons around him with Stephon Diggs, with Cole Beasley. They have Emmanuel Sanders already in place. They have Jacob Hollister, who they added at tight end, who has top 15 at the position upside in a 17-game season with that supporting cast. Josh Allen might throw for like 5,000 yards. Buffalo might win 13 or 14 games. That's how good they are. They might not be the most complete team in the AFC. The Bills might not be the most complete team in the NFL. But I think they're one of the two biggest threats to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think that if everything goes their way, knowing that they went into Arrowhead and for a spell played really well and put some fear into the Kansas City Chiefs in that divisional playoff game, excuse me, in the AFC title game, if they can do that again, if Mahomes has an off day, Look out for the Bills, man. They can go to a Super Bowl. They can maybe even win the Super Bowl because I think that if you drop them into the NFC, they're the second best team hands down behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that leads us to the final team that has never won a Super Bowl that I think has the best chance to win one this year, and that's the Cleveland Browns. And if you've listened to this podcast since we launched it back in March, you know I'm absolutely head over heels all in on the Cleveland Browns this year. I'm all in on general manager Andrew Barry and the job that he's done over the course of offseason, this offseason. Because I think Baker Mayfield is a guy that's as gutty as it comes at quarterback. He is as taxing as it comes for a defense to defend of anybody in the league, not named Patrick Mahomes, not just because he can make all the throws, but because he's a threat to run for a first down every time he scrambles and he can make plays out of the pocket. So I look at Baker Mayfield and the fact that he's getting Odell Beckham Jr. back, that he already has Jarvis Landry, and the Browns offense has the potential to really level up this year when you look at the two running backs that they have in the backfield, maybe the best overall rushing attack in the entire NFL. So I look at them, and I look at the Browns, and I look at what happened last year in the postseason when they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round, when Andrew Barry went and he watched what happened to the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers, he figured out what they needed to do when they went out and they did it. John Johnson was an awesome addition to the back end of that defense. He's one of those hybrid linebacker safety types who can get you 120 tackles, can intercept two or three passes, but in a 17-game schedule, he might get you 140 tackles. He's that good. He's that much of a difference maker. He's that much of an impact player on a defense it was close to being one of the best in the league to begin with. They went out. They needed pass rush help. They needed to be able to stop the run. They needed somebody to plug opposite of Miles Garrett. They went out, and they got and Clowney. So that's all about stopping Patrick Mahomes. It's about stopping Patrick Mahomes from stepping up in the pocket and running for first downs. It's about pressuring Mahomes in big spots. And he might not be the key and the big cog in the Browns defense, but he's certainly going to make a defense better, especially with Miles Garrett on one side and next to Malik Jackson, who has a chance to be an absolutely downright dominant run stuffer. So that's going to be one of the better front sevens in the league, especially after they went out and they crushed it in the draft. In the secondary, they have Troy Hill. They have Denzel Ward. How do you not love that defense? And outside of scoring 35 points a game on offense, How do you beat them? Maybe the Chiefs can do that. Maybe the Bills can do that. But what's the blueprint to beat the Browns? They have all kinds of weapons in the running game, in the passing game, a dominant, stout defense that'll hold you down. The Browns, to me, are the biggest threat to beat Kansas City, both in the regular season, because I think the Chiefs have a chance to go 17-0, and in the postseason. Now, I don't know if any of these teams actually win a Super Bowl, right? Because you look at what the Chiefs did. You look at what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. Jason liked and Bruce Arians going out, returning all 22 starters. The first time it's ever been done for a Super Bowl winning team. You look at the Buccaneers. You look at Green Bay if they have Aaron Rodgers. But all it takes is a down day, a down game in the postseason from one of those teams. All it takes is a key injury here or a guy who's banged up there in the postseason. And if you're the Browns, the Bills, the Vikings, or the Titans, you have a roster that's built to capitalize on that. Look, the Buccaneers are probably as complete a team as I ever remember winning a Super Bowl and then coming back the next season to defend that Super Bowl in the last 10 or 15 years. They're just going to be that good. Kansas City is as dynamic and electrifying and talented and explosive as any team that we've seen in recent NFL history. Both of those teams are going to be roadblocks on the path to a Super Bowl. But the four teams we mentioned, the four teams that have never done it, I think the Browns and Bills, and to a far lesser extent the Titans and the Vikings, are best positioned to make it happen. Big show on tap. Joining us on the other side, Cole Thompson, producer of this program, NFL writer extraordinaire for fansided.com. He joins us next. It should be a lot of fun. Stay tuned right here to the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Welcome back in, and of course, as the 4th of July holiday looms, recording this on Friday, it's about time for me to step away and take some time off, couple weeks booked down the shore, a couple rounds of golf already on the agenda, so that should be a lot of fun. But have no fear, the Matt Lombardo Show podcast is going nowhere, because for the next two weeks, you'll be in the steady hands of my producer extraordinaire, Cole Thompson, who does a fantastic job covering the NFL for sided, does some stuff for Sports Illustrated. He's hosted nationally syndicated sports radio shows, kind of a jack of all trades in this business. And Cole joins me right now. Cole, how's it going, man? I better live up to those expectations, man, or else I'm
1: going to be screwed on the show.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're going to do fine. You're going to do great. And, you know, it's like riding a bike. And I I know that you've done the podcast thing before. You've done the radio thing before. So the listeners should be in for a real treat. And, you know, I I had the pleasure of coming on your show on Friday morning, and that was a lot of fun. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, you, you didn't get a chance to listen to the first segment of this podcast, but I kind of jotted down. Of the teams that have never won a Super Bowl, who has the best chance? Who's the most likely to do that this year? Now, that's a Herculean task with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I figured to throw you right to the wolves, bringing you on on this segment before you you host the show next week. I'd love to get your thoughts on who you think the team who's never won a Super Bowl before has the best chance to do it this year. So I'm pretty I'm
1: like 99.9% sure Cleveland's never won a Super Bowl if I'm if I'm not mistaken, right? Correct.
2: Right. Yeah. So here's
1: my big thing and I actually brought this up afterwards on my own show today. You talk about how the Kansas City Chiefs probably can go 17 and 0 in the regular season, then 20 and 0 throughout it and then 21 and 0 with the Super Bowl. I actually disagree because I do think they have one loss and that comes to the Cleveland Browns. Yep. Here's why, hear me out. People are already
2: kind of go with their
1: pitchforks and try to kill me. But and by
2: the way, Cole did not listen to the first segment of this show. I did not. It went so, on the air. We did not talk about this before it went on the air. This is just called adding his opinion, supplementing my opinion from the past segment, which I think I know where this is going.
1: So the biggest thing is I look at offensive line play. I always look at offensive line play and I think offensive line is the easiest one to figure out. And it's the easiest one to mess it up. And without a good offensive line, you are struggling. You will always struggle throughout a season. It doesn't matter what kind of weapons you have. It doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. It doesn't matter any of that. Look in Seattle. Like Seattle is the perfect example. Since 2013, Russell Wilson has been sacked 40 plus times every season. And what's happened since 2014, they haven't won a Super Bowl because of poor offensive line play. Yeah, you got great weapons. Tyler Lockett's amazing. Yeah, DK Metcalf's an emerging star. But they don't have the line, which means Russell Wilson's under pressure. He makes one mistake. One mistake goes back for six. Touchdown for the opposing team. Same thing. I look at Cleveland, and Cleveland is returning all five starters on the offensive line. A really, really good offensive line. Yeah. Is
2: huge then. it really That's is it. And I mean to bring up an example in addition to the Seahawks look at last year's Pittsburgh Steelers I know that Ben Roethlisberger yeah. was leaking oil and his arm essentially fell off in November and December but they don't have an offensive line they didn't have an offensive line and it doesn't matter if you have Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster it doesn't matter who your running back is if you're getting boat raced by front sevens in Cleveland in Baltimore in, in Kansas City and all of the AFC heavyweighted Weights. and that was really an Achilles heel for the Steelers and for everything they did in the draft to bring in Mike Gesicki or bring in you know uh, Magie Harris and Pat Fryermuth they didn't fix the offensive line so I don't know if the ceiling is all that higher for the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers this year
1: and that's the other thing is that you look at this you look at the division as a whole. you still have questions for Lamar Jackson. I like Lamar Jackson I think Lamar Jackson's a very good player. I also think it's not wrong of me and a fan in general to say I need to see what you can do as a passer. I need to see what you can do moving the ball downfield without your legs. Because at the end of the day, we know he can move inside the pocket, outside the pocket, but the second his legs are gone, what kind of quarterback are you getting? Which is why Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh probably are trying to come into an agreement of what kind of contract they want. But at the same time, let's go back to Cleveland. Stout offensive line, the number one offensive line last year, corner pro football focus, all five starters returning. You get another year of experience with Jedrick Wills. You have another year of experience with Baker Mayfield under center. I think now Odell Beckham Jr. just wants a ring. I think that's the biggest thing. So if that means he has to take a hit in receptions, he's got to take in touchdowns. If it means him going deeper in the playoffs, so be it. But Andrew, Barry, my God, give a round of applause for the Absolutely. GM of the year because of not only did he make good signings at positions of need, like Javion Clowney, a great run stopper to pair of Miles Garrett, uh, adding Troy Hill, a really stout, overall sticky cover corner that's willing to tackle in the open field but john johnson i mean this is a top 10 safety that's not getting paid top 10 money because if he wants to go to a team that just wants to win and he's taking a three-year deal for 40 something million when he could have gotten a five-year deal for 56 million at a different team but instead he goes and he joins a team that's looking to win now i like kansas city i think kansas City is a good team but you have joe tooney you have a new offensive guard. I don't know who's gonna be starting at the right guard at the left guard position. Orlando Brown is being a full-time left tackle. You have injuries coming back. It's gonna take a minute for the offensive line to stabilize in Kansas City. That's so a great that point. You means... get one of the one of
2: the best front sevens in football right out of the shoot. You brought up Connie, you brought up Miles Garrett, and I look at John Johnson. He's also one of those hybrid safeties Yeah, can be a playmaker up near the line of scrimmage, can be a thumper against the run, can get after the passer. Just a great signing. And I've said this a few different times on the podcast. Andrew Berry this offseason saw what happened in that divisional playoff game. And then he watched what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. There's a blueprint now. It's a tough blueprint to follow, but there's a blueprint on how to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And Eric, Andrew Berry went out and followed it, built on it. And I think that they have the best chance of anybody on Kansas City's schedule to knock them off. And it just absolutely to come in week that, one.
1: That's not even a close second. That is the easiest game for Kansas city to win and prove that they are legit. It also is the one game that people will be talking about in week 14. When, you know, you have Cleveland sit with 10 wins. Oh, but they can't get past Patrick Mahomes. Well, okay. Week one versus week 14. The best way I can put it is I also cover college football. So Texas A&M played Alabama in week two in an all sec schedule last year. They lost by 28 points. I'm not saying Alabama would lose to Texas A&M in week nine, but they wouldn't win by 28 points. Same thing. You can have a bad game from Kansas City, and they're still right in the mix. You can have a sure. bad game from Cleveland, and they're still right in the mix. Cleveland overall did the most in the draft and in free agency with guys like Greg Newsome, Jeremiah Wusukoromora with you know Clowney, all these other guys. To where I believe, if we're talking about a team that's never made a Super Bowl, that's a team to go for. Now, a team that I think that could win the Super Bowl easily is Buffalo. Buffalo is returning all-stars. And that's something that nobody talks about. Like everyone's like, Tampa Bay returns all starters from a Super Bowl winning team. Good for you. Buffalo did the same thing. They signed their own. They kept their own. And I've been a big proponent of this. Right coach, right GM, right quarterback. You can have a bum roster with everyone else. You have those three, you will be successful. Right GM, absolutely with Brandon Bean. Right coach, absolutely the most underrated coach. I see rankings all the time. You still have Mike Tomlin top five. Sean uh, Sean McDermott needs to be in that top five conversation. Absolutely, he does. Three times, three uh, three of his four years, playoff bound for the with the Buffalo Bills, and you have Josh Allen. I I like to be a little high on Josh Allen because I remember when everyone was being a complete and total a hole to me about how I was saying Josh Allen was QB one. I don't feel stupid anymore because Josh Allen has shown size, mobility, arm strength, and the biggest thing of all, Brandon Bean went out and said. It's not working with our OC. We're bringing in Brian Dable. We're bringing in uh, Ken Dorsey. We're going to get
2: Stefan Diggs and give him a playmaker to maximize that arm strength, that howitzer that he has attached to his shoulder. And, you know, if you listen to the podcast last week, I had an NFL head coach tell me that if he were to build a team with a quarterback from the 2018 draft class, and you're talking about Baker Mayfield, you're talking about Sam Darnold, you're talking about, of course, Josh Allen and, you know, out of the league at this point, essentially, Josh Rosen. Really? Not Rosen? He wouldn't do it with Rosen? He wouldn't go with Rosen, but he said the answer here is Josh Allen, and there isn't a clear second. And I had an executive tell me something very similar. The league loves the arm strength. They love the accuracy, the mobility, the smarts above the shoulders. And Josh Allen has all of that. And he has a dominant roster from top to bottom that I agree with you. They can absolutely beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They put up the, the fear of God in them for a spell during that AFC championship game. And on the right day on the wrong afternoon for Patrick Mahomes if he's dinged up or if that offensive line plays as poorly as it did against the Buccaneers. Guess what? That defense is built to get after Mahomes as well. So I'm in total agreement with you here, Cole, that the two teams that I think have the best chance to break out of that never Super Bowl pack are the Cleveland Browns and the Buffalo Bills.
1: It would be very hard to disagree with that. And also, I don't think Buffalo's done. I think Buffalo is still going to make a couple moves in free agency. There's still a few names out there. Steven Nelson, I think, would be an excellent addition to the cornerback room to fix that secondary. I, I also, yeah, KJ Wright playing your playing your uh, sandbacker or playing your rollbacker. That'd be a really good pairing with Tremaine Edmonds, with Matt Milano. Uh, I also think, you know, I've heard a report. Don't know if it's true or not, but what I do, I, what I've heard is that Buffalo is interested in Zach Ertz. And if that yeah. happens, there you go. Emmanuel Sanders. Gabriel Davis, Stefan Diggs, and uh, I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Uh, Yeah, and Zach Hurst. Yeah, there you go. That's a a four-man group that's better than before. And As long as the running game can be stable with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, they're a team that's going to be hard to beat. I, I, I have no doubt these are the two teams that you have to look at, and these are the two teams that I feel have done enough to make that next jump.
2: Yep, no, I agree. And the team that a lot of people are going to get a chance to get a close look at is the Dallas Cowboys. They were announced on Friday that they're going to be on hard knocks. And that's a team that I think is really fascinating because I look at the NFC East. Now, it's not as talented top to bottom as the NFC West. Certainly, when you look at the Seahawks and the 49ers and the Cardinals and the Rams, who have a Super Bowl roster in place around Matthew Stafford. But I believe looking at everything that the NFC East teams did in the offseason, looking at the quarterback play now within that division, It's a three-team race to 10 wins between the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Washington football team. I think the Eagles are a little bit further down that totem pole because I think there's a lot more work to do on that roster. And I'm not necessarily a believer in Jalen Hurts yet. Maybe he takes that step up with Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager in his second year. But the Cowboys fascinate me because I think they have a top three or four supporting cast on offense with CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott. They've done some nice work on the offensive line. They went out, they drafted Micah Parsons. They have Leighton Van Der Esch. They really doubled down on building that defense in the draft. And, you know, for my column on Wednesday, really focused on the veteran quarterback movement in this league this offseason. Stafford, Goff, Wentz, Darnold to a lesser extent. And then, of course, Dak Prescott staying put but getting the long-term deal And I had a couple of scouts and a couple of executives tell me that Dak has the highest ceiling this year because of his supporting cast, because of his division, and because of the talent. What do you make of the Cowboys this year? And how good can Dak Prescott be? Fully healthy, back from that injury, and in a division that is going to be competitive, but is also kind of wide open. So the guy's gotten paid.
1: He's gotten all of his money. He's gotten the most guaranteed money up front that we've ever seen. Look, like, just break this down for me. Look at his supporting cast. Dak Prescott, hear me out, is not a top five quarterback in the NFL. He's not. He's a top 10 quarterback, probably nine, maybe eight. I think top 10 is very fair. But he will put up top three numbers with that supporting cast. If, and this is a big if, the offensive line is stable. The year that they led the NFL with the the number one total offense, protection was on point. Lyle Collins was playing out of his mind. You had a really good first year from Connor Williams. Now he's going into year fourth. This is not negotiable. You have to pick it up. You still had Travis Frederick on the team. Yep. Zach Martin was healthy. Tyron Smith was playing at an elite level. Last season, the only player who played all 16 games from that 2019 number one offense was Connor Williams. You had two games from uh, Tyron Smith. Lyle Collins didn't play a single snap. 10 games from Zach Martin. Travis Frederick retired. Hear me out on this one, though. The top five players who are the most paid on Dallas are Dak Prescott, Demarcus Lawrence, Amari Cooper, Tyron Smith, Ezekiel Elliott, and then you throw in uh, Zach Martin. Of all those guys, I would argue one is a for sure, surefire A plus player, and that would be Zach Martin. For everyone sure. else at his position. Everyone else, B plus, A yeah. And that's what happens when you're the Cowboys. You pay. A-plus money for B-plus players. Now, Dak was one you had to sign. Dak, you never had to worry about this if you just would have signed him two years ago. Yep. If you just got the deal done, never would have happened, never would have had to deal with this. Instead, Jerry Jones has to cough up the money. But everyone else, you elected to pay. Amari Cooper is a good receiver. You want to know who else is a good receiver? Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I even think you could throw in Simi Fecco. I'd love that that addition in the sixth round. And you would have saved yourself $100 million yeah. in the salary cap for five years to be able to go fix your offensive line, to go add some key defensive players, not worry about overspending money. I think Dallas has an opportunity to have one of the best offenses in the league. As for defense, I like Dan Quinn. I think Dan Quinn is best suited as a defense coordinator. I like that they brought Dan Quinn guys in, adding yep. in DeMonte Caziz, a very rangy center fielder, free safety adding in kind of a box guy and now it's kind of been reported that Keanu Neal will be playing more of a box safety than he will just a straight up linebacker. You added in Micah Parsons. I I personally understand why they did that. I didn't like the move at the time. I still think it's a little bit of a kind of a risk no matter what I would try to trade back and maybe go draft Greg Newsome again, but I I think it's a
2: long-term replacement for Leighton Vandresh because when they don't pick up his fifth year option they feel that they have a cheaper option over the next four to five years, maybe with more upside as a more complete versatile defender in Micah Parsons. And for one year, at least you can put them both side by side, and it's going to be really difficult to run on that team. You can blitz Michael off the edge, which is going to help your pass rush. I understand that move a lot. I think Gavin Newsom plays a more premium position. And if you could have come away with him, I think that would have been a home run grand slam pick for the Dallas Cowboys. But I'm again, there's some Penn State bias in there for me, but I'm no, not going to get. Micah Parsons to drop into a defense that was just exposed over and over and over again, especially in the front seven the last couple of years.
1: And I talked to a scout recently and they said that one of the main roles that they're using him in right now at camp is as a DPR role, which is a defensive pass rush only role. Yep. So that's what he's going to do. And that's where he really was at his best during his time in State College. So I mean, I mean listen, before
2: he even got to Happy Valley, he was a five-star defensive end and the number one right. defensive end recruit in the country. They made him a middle linebacker and he turned into a first team All-American within two years. So, and There's nothing wrong with that. I I wonder, and I've talked to James Franklin a couple of times about this. I do wonder, had Micah Parsons been a defensive end, just how dominant would he have been? But the fact that they converted him to middle linebacker and he played at such a high level, I I make the case that if he comes back last year, Penn State's a college football playoff contender because they didn't have that playmaker in the middle of that defense that got exposed early on against Indiana, everything snowballed from there. They lost that leadership voice in Michael Parsons. Dallas is getting that and they're getting a guy who's very versatile, a bit of a Swiss army knife type of defender. And I had an executive tell me that he has a chance to be a better Devin White. So if that's what you're dropping into the Cowboys defense, that's a nice building block to continue building out from the, the front seven backwards.
1: It is. And the only thing I will say that I disagree with on that is that if I was keeping one of the linebackers, I would get rid of Jalen Smith and that massive contract yep. and try to re-sign Leighton Vander Esch because I, I do agree. think when you look at them, one is a surefire tackler. One is a jack of all trades. You kind of just want that middle ground where both can kind of play off of each other. You don't really have that with Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith is more of a guy who I think wants to play in open space instead of playing the playing the run or playing up against the line of scrimmage. Parsons is kind of that same way. I worry about the cornerback position. I like Kelvin Joseph. I think Kelvin Joseph is a really good player. I, when I was scouting him, every single time I watched him in zone coverage, he was great. I think that's where Dan Quinn is going to use him. But you kind of mentioned it. Every team improved. In the NFC East, New York got better. They added weapons. They added Kenny Galladay. They added in Kyle Rudolph, a very underrated signing. They added in Kadarius Tony. They added in some defensive players like Aaron Robinson they, uh, you look at Washington, they did the same thing. They added in Deami Brown. They added in a speech during Curtis Samuel. They added in Benjamin St. Just a very highly talented defensive back. You can play in the nickel. He can play a big nickel. He can play safety. He can play the perimeter that allows you to move Kendall Fuller inside to where he's naturally gifted as a slot cornerback. They added William Jackson. They've done a lot. Yep. And this time around, I think that it still is eight to nine wins get you the division, but it's not because eight to nine wins get you the division because you're so bad. It's because of every team is so equally matched that gonna one team is going to gonna have,
0: yeah. yeah,
1: you're going to have two three and threes in the divisional race for sure. One, four, and two, and the four and two is going to move on. Yep. That's how it's going to go down. So, I could see it being Dallas. I uh, right now say it's Washington. Washington has the momentum, the drive, and I think that they have a little bit more stability defensively. And at the end of the day, I think defense does win you championships. But if New York, I mean, honestly, if Daniel Jones is at least average with the team that they have in place, one, Joe judges deserves a bunch of praise for what he was able to do with this team. And two, that just shows why Patrick Graham, the defense coordinator really needs to be considered for a head coaching job in 2021. I've loved his style of defense. I like what he did in Miami. I loved what he did last year. They've added in marquee pieces. If that defense is still as good as it was and they make a run at the postseason, Patrick Graham is a big reason. Patrick Graham needs to be considered for a head coaching job. Yeah,
2: and he's going to get much more consideration than just from the New York Jets, who he passed up on this offseason. And I think what really makes Patrick Graham such a successful defensive coordinator and what makes him different than a lot of coaches in the league, he doesn't build his system and try to shoehorn players into it. He tailors the scheme, tailors the philosophies around the personnel that he has. And what the Giants did this offseason, they played more zone coverage than almost any team in the league last year. You go and you get a Dory Jackson and plant him opposite of James Bradbury, two potentially pro bowl cornerbacks. You bring in Aaron Robinson, Darnay Holmes had a really lights out rookie year as a fifth round pick. That's now your secondary. You have Logan Ryan, you have Jabril Peppers. Guess what? You can play man to man now. And you can, in your front seven, adding Aziz Ojalari out of Georgia, who a lot of people tell me is the steal of the NFL draft overall. He's if up Lorenzo there. Carter is healthy, if Ojane Zimenez is healthy, you go and get Ifiadi Odenigabo from Minnesota, guy with a lot of upside in the front seven. Your defensive line is still probably top six or seven in the league. If you can play man on the back end and hold up, all of a sudden, You can pin your ears back on defense on the front seven. So I agree with you. I think the Giants are a really fascinating team. I've said it before. I don't know that they, you know, make a deep playoff run, but they're definitely in that mix, in that race, to 10 wins in the NFC East. There's no doubt in my mind about that.
1: I wouldn't doubt that either, but I really like their draft class because what Dave Gettleman did was he didn't do Dave Gettleman. He went against himself being his own guy. He traded back. He made the right call. Yes, you pass on a guy in Devonta Smith, but you really did add another good guy. In Kadarius Tony, who, I think
2: yeah. the Eagles jumped him, I mean, right? Was, and that's the point. He was number so, he was number one on the board. He was so number again, one on the Giants' board, and that's why when that card went in, you know, immediately heard, oh, the Giants are in trade talks with the Bears, and bang, up go the Bears to go get Justin Fields at eleven.
1: And they land a second, they land an extra first round pick in twenty twenty two. But I like that you add huge. Kadarius Tony. Yep. You need that to pair along with Sterling Shepard on at least some type of plays, especially with Curtis Samuel now in the division. You need a similar player. But I really like defensively. They did play. To what are the strengths? You are playing a 3-4 set. You need standing pass rushers. And Aziz Ojalari was a first-round talent that fell to pick, what was it? Yeah, 50. That's my point. For him to fall that far yep. to 50 is a steal. And he already fits what Patrick Graham is trying to run. And he learned from one of the smartest coaches when it comes to pass rushing in college football in Kirby Smart. For three years. So to be able to have that and transition is great to get Aaron Robinson, a good zone cover corner, is really good. And there's a lot to build off of. So I agree. I like the fact that they didn't oversell, they didn't try to do too much. And the moves that they did make did two things. One, it gave Daniel Jones zero excuses anymore to be anything other than an adequate quarterback, not even a superstar quarterback, but an adequate one. And two, it showed that they were not messing around. They realized how close they were last year to making a postseason. They want to be there. That's why you went out and spent big money. That's why you got Kenny Galladay. That's why you added Kyle Rudolph. That's why you added Kadarius Toney. That's why you added some names defensively. I like the Giants a lot. I think that they are at least a fun team and probably a year away from actually contending.
2: Yeah, no, I'd make the case that everything they did this offseason from going out and getting Kenny Galladay, drafting Kadarius Toney, bringing in Kyle Rudolph, who didn't drop a pass last year, something like 40 of 48 of his career touchdowns have been in the red zone, where Evan Ingram really has struggled over his entire career, quite frankly, especially last year. These moves were made secondarily, in my opinion, to try to compete in 2021. But more importantly, and fundamentally to the future of the Giants bringing in Kenny Galladay, Tony, all of these guys, it was primarily motivated to determine whether Daniel Jones can be an elite quarterback. He now has has the best wide receiver he's ever thrown the football to. He still has Sterling Shepard, a field stretcher, and Darius Slayton. Saquon Barkley's coming back. The excuses are gone now. And if he can't cut down on the turnovers, dramatically increase the touchdowns, and put you in a position, not necessarily even to win the games, but put you in a position to win double-digit games, then you have to think long and hard about using that second first-round pick you acquired in the trade from the Bears to go and get his replacement next year, whether it's packaging two first-round picks to trade for Aaron Rodgers, whether it's pa- packaging two first-round picks to go up get Sam Hummel out of North Carolina, whatever the case may be, if Daniel Jones isn't the guy, you have a roster now in place to either continue building with Daniel Jones or drop a rookie in with tremendous upside over the next three to four years
1: i think the biggest thing of all is that you look at how many of these guys are signed for long-term deals i mean the only one that you really have to worry about is saquon which will get a long-term deal before his contract's up in 2022 but besides that you have sterling Shepard under contract for another two years you have um you have kyle rudolph under contract for a year you have uh uh, kenny galladay under contract for four years you have now uh tony under contract for five years there's no excuse and again I know a lot of people don't like the 2022 class for quarterbacks, but at the same time, nobody really liked the 2021 class for quarterbacks outside of Sam Dar- I mean, outside of Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence to begin the year. Nobody considered Mac Jones. Nobody really knew what Trey Lance was. And nobody, and I mean, nobody saw Zach Wilson being what Zach Wilson was. So I wouldn't sleep on it just yet. There's a very good opportunity that you could see a guy like a Malik Willis from Liberty, maybe even a JT Daniels really step up from Georgia. I'm pretty high on Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina. I don't think you'll have a Zach Wilson type rise, but I do think that he can be good. I like Matt Coral out of uh, uh, Ole Miss. There's a lot of talent there. So don't sell yourself short just yet. But if you are the Giants, this is an easy one. Daniel Jones is not the guy you have to find that guy and you yep. can't do what Washington's doing, sticking with the veteran, a 38 right. year old no and say, Oh that. yeah. Yep. Yeah. You, you got to get a guy. And whether that means you got to bring in say Nick Foles as a backup for a year or whatnot, right. just, to maybe play, or whoever, yeah. just
2: as a backup. Yeah.
1: Just, just one of those, you got to do it because if that's why you got that second, first round pick, that was not just insurance for the team to be able to maybe be two pieces away, adding another cornerback, adding a right. defensive Absolutely lineman. Right. You added it in to where you say, hey, you see that pick we got from Chicago? That's your replacement. Wake up. We got you a speedster. We got you a vertical option. We got you a big. Wake up, Daniel Jones. Wake up.
2: And protect the football, too. And, you know, this has been a lot of fun, Cole. I've really enjoyed the conversation. And it's obvious that the listeners are in great hands next week. But before we get out of here, I just got to. I got to sound off for a second on EA Sports and Madden and what they're doing to Madden 22 coming out in a couple of weeks time. Admittedly, I haven't played Madden NFL since college, which we're getting up on like, what is it, 10 years ago for me, maybe longer. I lose track and getting so old but they've implemented home field advantage, which is fine. If you want to implement home field advantage into the game, where if you're playing in a Philadelphia or you're playing in new Orleans in the Superdome, if you're playing in a hostile environment and you want to create more false starts early in the game and in big spots in the fourth quarter, okay, I'm all with you, but you know, here's the issue. they have gone way too far with this way too far. You look at home field advantage in Tampa Bay. I'll admit it scared the hell out of me when they fired the cannons for the first time inside the 20 yard line during the giants Buccaneers game last year, when I was in that building for the first time covering that game, but the home team players temporarily have their fatigue replenished when they're in the red zone. Now, how does firing the cannon make you less tired? I don't get it. Worst of all, this is most egregious to me. It's just asinine, ridiculous, put this back in the holster, scrap it, throw it away, whatever in New Orleans one away team on third and fourth down conversion attempts will have a random wide receiver run the incorrect route and he lines up improperly. What is going on here? I get it that it's loud. I get it. that It's freezing cold in the Superdome. Both of those things are issues. I've never seen an opposing wide receiver line up and run the wrong route at the Superdome. Cole, help me out here. I'm sure you might've played Madden more recently than I have. I still play. hell are they doing? Yeah, I play it every night. I, I when oh, I'm, I'm done nervous. with work, yeah. When I'm when I'm done with work, I,
1: I go ahead and play it. I I go on, you know, I go on uh, uh, live mode and just play for a couple hours. It's fun. I find it ridiculous. This is absolutely the dumbest thing I've ever seen at any video game company do. But I will say, if I had to pick a winner, a straight up just winner, best trolling thing I've ever seen, go look at the Chicago Bears one. Oh, Bear was down, great, wasn't it? The away team kicks meter moves slightly faster for Doinks. Dude, they I, basically are playing straight into Cody Parkey Double Doink. I
2: and they called absolutely it bear love down. That. They called it bear down, and I remember watching that playoff game with my dad and my my wife. And if you watch the bear mascot at oh, Cody Parky Double Doinks, he falls down and puts his hand on his head. So bear down is the perfect terminology for that. For what is the perfect home field advantage? That's great. I'll but give them that. Dallas, that one was
1: absolutely great. It was in absolutely Dallas, great. Dallas, you're
2: going to punt the ball shorter? What? Is, what is happening here? Like, I get it. Okay, you want to have home field advantage. Go look at what happened in Happy Valley two years ago when Michigan had to call a timeout before the first play from scrimmage. They couldn't even break the huddle. It was so loud in there. Have something like that happen in one of the big stadiums. But these other things, quirky things, it's just going to make the game more tedious. again. Again, I haven't played Madden in close to two decades. I don't know that it's going to make me want to play it. I, I don't think it's going
1: to make me want to play it. It's also not going to make me not want to play it. I guess would be the best way to put it. I'm going to still watch it. I'm still going to enjoy it. I'm still yeah. going to go play it because that's just me. I, I enjoy playing that video game. It's one of like six video games I actually play at age 27. I actually don't play much. I'm just like, all right, I got Madden. I'm good. And Now, when they I'm do just...
2: release NCAA 23 or 24, whenever it comes out, that will oh, like be first in line. PS7 or whatever it is by then. And I'll be I'm, the I'm first saving game. up. Yeah. Oh, the I'm first saving one up hundred yep. percent.
1: That's not even a close one. I still play 14 from time to time. Nice. Me and my brother, we still have it. And every single time I see him and we can play it, we do. Oh my God. It's so great. And at one point, I think it was up until last year, you were able to update the rosters to the numbers. So you weren't able to see Joe Burrow, but it was Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. under center. So that That's was great. actually pretty cool. We went, I did a bachelor trip. I think it was two years ago when we were, I think it was like three in the morning and we were doing a bad A tournament at my buddy's place for a good four or five hours. It was was a fun time. But yeah, it's not gonna make me want to play the game anymore. It's also not gonna make me not want to play the game. But here's the biggest thing I will take away from this. You don't always have to do something new to get the product sold. You hit the jackpot. Here's a good one. Oreos. Everyone loves Oreos. You don't need to make every unique flavor and color of Oreos just to sell Oreos. I'm still gonna eat the Oreos, whether they're orange, whether they're pride colors, whether they are black and black, whether they're all white, I'm gonna eat them because it's just you've you've hit the jackpot. Madden, just pay the $50 for an upgraded roster. Yeah. I would gladly do that.
2: Don't That's only, what you don't reinvent do. the cookie. Don't reinvent don't the re-in- yeah.
1: Don't reinvent the wheel. You got the winning product. You have people spending millions and billions of dollars in a week and a half just to beat the expert level, and then go, oh, I'm bored. I'm not going to play this anymore. You already have it done. You don't need to do anything else. You're all good. It's all good, baby.
2: He's Cole Thompson. He is the artist of strong takes. He will be the host of the Matt Lombardo show the next two weeks while I'm away. Cole, this was a lot of fun. Appreciate you jumping on. And I'm really excited when I'm down the shore, when I'm on the beach, when I'm on a late night walk on the boardwalk, smoking a cigar to be tuning into the podcast and checking out what you have to say.
1: We will have some interesting guests coming on. We will have some interesting hot takes. And of course, with the NFL coming closer and closer, it means we have a little bit more indication on what is going on. I'm excited to be a part of this and I'm excited to be here for the next two weeks. Make sure you tune in. Make sure you also follow me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I will be doing the best I can to host the show, but I'm never going to be able to replace Matt Lombardo.
2: Should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it, Cole. Appreciate all you do for this podcast every week. Looking forward to the shows the next two weeks. And everybody, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, on Spotify, SoundCloud, all of your favorite podcast platforms. It, of course, is Stacking the Box, and NFL podcast. You get Stacking the Box on Tuesdays, the Matt Lombardo Show on Fridays. And with that, my vacation has arrived. Cole Thompson's time has come. I'll talk to you in three weeks, but make sure you give Cole listen to the next two right here on the Matt Lombardo show. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. I'll talk to you in three weeks. Right here on the Matt Lombardo show, inside fan sided stack in the box podcast feed.